What do Borrego Springs, California, Sark in the Channel Islands of the United Kingdom, Homer Glen, Illinois, Call in the Inner Hebrides of Scotland, Dripping Springs, Texas, Beverly Shores, Indiana, West Cliff and Silver Cliff, Colorado, Bon Accord, Alberta, Canada, Horseshoe Bay, Texas, Moffat, Scotland, River Oaks, Texas, Ketchum, Idaho, Mon and Yard, Denmark, and Torrey, Utah all have in common. Well, firstly, I haven't been to any of those places, but I have been to Flagstaff, Arizona, and it has a lot in common with all of those communities. This is episode number five. Welcome to the Brews Traveler, exploring the craft beer scene across North America, one craft brewery at a time. And now here's your host, the man who gets more MPP, that's miles per pint, than anybody, Alan Tatman. Hello, everybody, and greetings to all of you from Grand Marais, Minnesota, on the shores of Lake Superior, where I have just spent two winter days here in the last week of June. Actually, it got a little warmer today, but... We were in Duluth the last two days, and it was cold up here. I really shouldn't be complaining coming out of one of the hottest months of June ever recorded in the state of Missouri, but the cold gales coming off of Gitchigumi were at first refreshing, I will admit, but after a while, it just got chilly. But regardless, thank you for finding us out here in the podcasting universe. I am Alan Tabman. I will be your host, and I am the chief cat herder of Team Bruce Traveler. I'm recording this on Monday, June 25th, and I should have it up before midnight. Uh, if I can get a strong enough data signal and get it uploaded before the day is out, this is the first episode ever to be recorded and engineered within the confines of Brewlisses, that is the Bruce Traveler Motorhome. Videographer Tom Baker and I are up here in Minnesota. We're interviewing folks for the podcast, shooting some video footage for the impending YouTube project. And if it sounds a little tinny, well, this is because we're inside a tin box with four wheels. So, yeah, we should have a few shows for you coming back from Minnesota. We'll have them up uh, sometime in the next few weeks. But in the meantime, we've got a show for you today. This week, we are talking to Nick Irvine of Dark Sky Brewing Company of Flagstaff, Arizona, an up-and-coming brewery, only three years old. And these guys have got a creative and different approach to the art of craft brewing. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. And when Mary Lee and I visited them back in April, if the size of the crowds at the tap room are any indication, Flagstaffians and other craft beer aficionados from all over the American Southwest are finding something happening that they like at Dark Sky Brewing. We'll also give you a little information about Flagstaff, Arizona, the Ponderosa Pine capital of North America. And if you haven't been there, well, you might want to go. It's a great combination of friendly folks and beautiful landscapes and a great little craft brewery to boot. We'll also check in with freelance writer Tony Rehagen and see what's on his mind. So crack open a cold one, sit back as we head down old Route 66, about an hour west of the famous corner in Winslow, Arizona, and onward to the city in the pines, the staff, Flag City, Flagstaff, Arizona. And away we go. <laughs> 
And now we head on down the road with the bruised traveler. Where will the highway take us this week? Where will we lift a pint and who will we meet? Let's find out. I don't know how many times that I have actually driven through Flagstaff and never stopped. I know that on a family vacation to San Diego and Los Angeles back when I was eight or nine years old, we had to have driven through Flagstaff because we went to the Grand Canyon and then the Petrified Forest. So if we didn't pass through Flagstaff, then my dad took a really surreptitious route. I myself drove through Flagstaff in 1980. Yes, I know that was a long time ago, but I didn't stop then. And then again in 1989 and then again in 91. So I guess it was four times. But every time driving up through the Ponderosa Pines, I remembered, I always thought to myself, wow, what a neat place. I need to come and hang out in this town. And now, this past April, finally, Marilee and I spent two days there. We got to check out Dark Sky Brewing, and now my life is complete. The history of Flagstaff is actually very much like the town itself. It gives you, as Glenn Fry once sang, a peaceful, easy feeling. Incorporated in 1928, Flagstaff officially didn't exist until 16 years after Arizona statehood. Prior to that, settled in 1876, Flagstaff was just a settlement on the Colorado Plateau, the largest town on the railroad route between Albuquerque and Los Angeles, and the main market town of northern Arizona, with an economy based upon timber, cattle, and sheep. Being just north of the southwestern edge of the Colorado Plateau, Flagstaff is more or less surrounded by the largest contiguous ponderosa pine forest in the continental United States. The city of approximately 70,000 people is just south of the San Francisco Peaks, the highest mountain range in the state, and within lies Humphreys Peak, the highest point. At 12,633 feet in elevation, above the Kachina Wilderness Area and Coconino National Forest. Probably the most noted thing that ever happened in Flagstaff was the arrival of astronomer Percival Lowell from Massachusetts in 1894. It was in Flagstaff that he decided to establish his observatory that bears his name. Lowell was impressed with the clarity of the atmosphere along with the minimal impact of ambient man-made light. In 1896, the observatory construction was completed on a promontory named Mars Hill with the installation of a 24-inch Clark refracting telescope. The observatory was state-of-the-art for its time and has been used for astronomical study for years. Lowell himself mapped the surface of Mars, including the features that he called canals, which convinced him that Mars had at one time, or perhaps still had, intelligent life. Lowell died in 1916, and he was buried on Mars Hill next to his observatory. But the importance of the observatory continues even to this day. In 1930, the ninth planet Pluto was discovered at the location. However, in 2000, the International Astronomical Union declared that Pluto did not meet the requirements necessary to be considered a planet. The controversy remains, but Flagstaffians, filled with a sense of pride considering that Pluto had been their discovery, has raised the banner in Pluto's defense with bumper stickers and signs around town proudly pronouncing that Pluto is still a planet. 
During the 1960s, the observatory played an important role in the Apollo moon landing missions as extensive mapping of the lunar surface was done using the Clark Telescope. Other noteworthy events that occurred in Flagstaff include the establishment of Northern Arizona Normal School in 1899, which was renamed Northern Arizona University in 1966. Flagstaff has served as an important transportation hub since its founding, serving both the Union Pacific Railroad and travelers over Route 66 and now on Interstate 40. Tourism, especially given its proximity to Grand Canyon, only an hour and a half drive north, and being the closest large city to that national park, remains an important part of Flagstaff's economy. In 2011, Flagstaff was recognized as the world's first international dark sky city by the International Dark Sky Association, a nonprofit organization incorporated in 1988 to preserve and protect the nighttime environment and our heritage of dark skies through quality outdoor lighting. In 2011, the organization had about 5,000 members in 70 countries. Since its founding, the International Dark Sky Association has recognized more than 60 parks, reserves, and cities as international dark sky places, some of which I listed at the introduction of this episode, and Flagstaff was the very first city to receive that designation. Another cool thing that I found out about Flagstaff in this uh, research was a recent tradition. Being the Ponderosa pine capital of the world, Beginning on New Year's Eve in 1999, in commemoration of the end of the millennium, the owners of the Weatherford Hotel in downtown Flagstaff lowered a garbage can decorated with lights and pine cones from the roof of the hotel. By 2003, the event had become a New Year's Eve tradition, and since then, the garbage can has been replaced with a 6-foot, 70-pound metallic pine cone festooned with glowing red, green, and white lights which was designed and fabricated by a local welding shop. So, let's not waste any more time and let's get to it. Here is Nick Irvine of Dark Sky Brewing, and this is your interview of the week. Now it's time for the interview of the week, and let's meet our guest. Whether they be a craft brewer or brewing advocate, they're sure to have a story you'll want to hear. And now, here's Alan and his guest. Cheers, everybody, from Flagstaff, Arizona. I am interviewing interviewing Mr. Nick Irvine of Dark Sky Brewing uh, here in the the on the Colorado Plateau, the north side of the state of Arizona. Yeah. We're about an hour and a half from the Grand Canyon, so if you're not familiar with the geography of Arizona, uh, two hours from Utah, uh, maybe maybe a little more, two and a half. Uh, a little bit more, yeah. yeah. Yeah, two and a half, three hours. Okay. We got here last night, and um, I'm amazed at the, the size of your how small your place is, but the quality of beers that we tasted last night was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Let me ask that was you, awesome. Let me ask you, uh, how did you get into this business? I mean, everybody comes from somewhere. What? what you, I Didn't you say uh, to me that you had a teaching background? I do, yes, uh, or I did, or I still do, I still teach, I guess. Um, I spent nine years teaching high school science, mostly biology and then environmental science as well. And so that definitely was one of the 
reasons and avenues for me to get into brewing in the first place was an interest in the, the science of it. Um, I mean, I liked beer anyway. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I had a teaching background and knew a little bit of the science of it. Uh, so to kind of start off, I, I started home brewing about four years before we opened up this place. And my first batch of beer was absolutely terrible. Yeah, it was so awful. Anybody that's home <laughs> yeah. your first batch is bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you, you, if you make a good one, um, watch out because that bad one will come. Um, yeah, so, but I got super addicted into into the process of it and the biology of it and the yeast and, and all the different ingredients and stuff. So I continued on that journey and was just home brewing, started off in my kitchen, then had a buddy uh, come and, and start brewing with me and we brewed at his house, my place. Finally got kicked out of the kitchen by, by the wife uh, for making too many boil over messes. If you've ever had a boil over, it is a, oh, it's a sticky, sticky. Yeah, it's like basically pouring honey all over the place and trying to burnt honey. Right. <laughs> uh, so got kicked off into the kicked out into the garage, um, brewed for a while and then met Ryan, uh, the co-owner here as well. He wanted had an interest in brewing and so he wanted to brew with us and as soon as he came on to the into the garage with us it just kind of took off we just started brewing almost like a batch every week and just having a blast with it and so after that we kind of honed our skills and eventually had the conversation that every home brewer has sitting around a fire one night drinking beers saying you know what maybe we should start a brewery (laughs) um one of the big differences was the team that we were able to assemble because it's not just brewing beer. It's not just drinking beer. There is a lot to it. Um, as you know, running a business oh, sure. is something that I was not aware of at all and would have completely failed at if we didn't have other team members right. come on. And so it really just grew out a passion of the science and the love of beer. And then the want for me to, I wanted to chase another passion. Teaching is still a passion of mine. I, I had an absolute amazing life with these kids, with these students. Uh, still love teaching in every aspect, and um, but wanted to pursue that that next passion. When did this happen? We opened our doors in May of 2015, so we probably started the process about a year earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And Ryan and Laramie had already started a a business, uh, a design and construction business. And so, again, that helped out hugely. We, we were able to basically get things going a lot quicker because of their knowledge. Uh, Ryan was also in construction. And so well, we were in here. It was huge because everything you see in here, either him or our other partner, Jeff, who's an engineer um, and can weld and build machines. He built our, our keg washer, our mill, our grain mill. Um, so with, with that, like I said before, that team together, we were able to push that process really quickly. Uh, compared to a lot of other people, you right. see a lot of other people trying to start breweries, and it's taken them, you know, multiple, multiple years. Right. So, uh, 2015, uh, May of 2015, we started. So we're coming up on our third anniversary, and we always celebrate it on first Friday. First Friday is kind of a big thing here. Right. Uh, people go out and see art and listen to music and everything. So. Oh, here yeah. in the city, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah, it's it's kind of a walking celebration of, of art every first Friday of the month. How did you decide on this location? Mm. Uh, basically, I think I know the answer to this, but why Flagstaff? Why Flagstaff? Uh, it is. Um, 
not my original home, but I'll tell you what, Where like, I know I was, I was meant to be here. Uh, I was born and raised in Oklahoma, in okay. o- Oklahoma City, uh, and until I was 15, then I moved to New Jersey and spent high school there and a couple years of college, then moved to Colorado, and then came to Arizona, so I bounced around a little bit. Um, Oklahoma, New Jersey, you know, pretty similar places. <laughs> <laughs> in some ways, yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, Turnpikes. So I, yeah, that's that's about that's about the extent of it. Everything yeah. else is way different. Um, and then, so when I came to Arizona, I actually started originally in Phoenix. Uh, came in and, and started there, and started making trips up north. Uh, I'm awesome. It's awesome you said the Colorado Plateau, so you know that mm-hmm. that geography there. And so we are about about five thousand feet above Phoenix. Right. Uh, you go up the hill. We call it up the hill or down the hill. At least I do. And so started getting away, doing camping trips, trips here, doing rock climbing, um, and just, I mean, fell in love with the mountains. Um, we are a mountain town. We do only have really basically kind of one mountain. We're not a mountains town like Colorado, but we do have a beautiful mountain, the San Francisco Peaks. And really just my outdoor spirit caused me to fall in love with this place. So made moves to finish school at NAU, Northern Arizona University, and got my teaching degree there. and. Still absolutely love this place, but had to go down the valley to teach because there weren't any jobs and spent the next couple of years just trying to just trying to get back up here, just trying to get back up here. I call Flagstaff the boomerang city or the boomerang town because I've seen and me included seen people move away and then just come back because it's just I don't know. There's something about this town that I absolutely love. The architecture is different, but you know what? It, It does remind me of the feel of Santa Fe. Okay. It's got yeah. That same kind of feel where there's a vibrant art community. Everything in this downtown looks really sharp. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, and I would say you were probably really lucky to find a, a spot right here in the hub, in the middle of everything. Oh, absolutely. With this, and this was our third spot that we thought we were going to get. So we, there was two other spots that we went for that were not in the downtown area. Mm-hmm. Thank our lucky stars for this spot. We are just off of the main drag of downtown, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit nice, um, a little bit away from that. But everyone's going to seek out a brewery, so we definitely do perfectly fine one block off sure. of the main downtown. Absolutely. And yeah, we, we're not going to we're not going to give up this spot ever. <laughs> Why the name Dark Sky? Yeah, we started off so to kind of take one step back. What we were originally going to be Trailhead Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. Me and Ryan uh, and, and a couple of the other and the other owners are very into outdoors. Right. Uh, he is a avid mountain biker. I am an avid trail runner and a rock climber. And so we first thought we were going to be Trailhead Brewing Company and just base everything around around trails and outdoor adventures. But there is a Trailhead Brewing Company in Ohio uh, that is well established. And we just thought, even though we could get away with it for a while, we might bump heads eventually. Right. Um, and so you always want to look ahead in the future. So we started throwing around names and ideas. And we in Flagstaff are the first international dark sky city. Right. So what that means is we proposed and put into place regulations on the lighting that comes from our town. We have a couple different zones where you're restricted on, say, the number of lumens per acre, um, the direction of your light, even the type of lights, like the type of gas that a light burns on our street. And what that does is reduces the, the light pollution because 
75, uh, I've heard 75 to 80% of the country cannot see the Milky Way That's at right. night. And we can, and we want to protect that. And so we became the first international dark sky city. Uh, we also have Lowell Observatory, right. the observatory that discovered Pluto, which is still a planet <laughs> in our eyes no here. No what anybody right. says, Pluto is still a planet. That's right. You'll see bumper stickers around town that say Pluto, honk if Pluto's still a planet and stuff like that. So, um, so we really, really are engaged with the night sky and appreciate the night sky and the stars. So uh, we are the first international dark sky city, and dark sky brewing just fit perfectly because of that. Plus, I just think it's an, an awesome name, dark right. sky. It is. It's a great name. So if you don't know what a, an international dark sky city is, guys, you have this thing. It's called Google. Look it up. <laughs> Go, right. go. What was it? Google. 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 So <laughs> I, we came in here last night. It was Sunday afternoon, and you were absolutely packed. Oh, yeah? Nice. Not only were there people, there were dogs and children. <laughs> I mean, it had a real family feel and atmosphere. What's, what's your capacity here for seating? Uh, oh, seating. So capacity with standing and everything is like 140, but that would okay. be that would be too much. Um, seating. Oh man, I wish I knew how many seats we have. Probably, probably 60 somewhere mm -hmm. somewhere close. Well, give there or take. wasn't an empty one when we got here. Yeah, there was not. <laughs> <laughs> That's we are small, and and that is kind of a growing. I guess if you want to call it a growing pain of ours is that a, a lot of nights we do, um, we're very lucky to have a, a packed house where there is standing room right. only. So we try to accommodate it. We've got some stand-up barrels and seating sure. and stuff, and we're always trying to accommodate that. But um. Speaking of your barrels, you've got some nice wood here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you really do. You've got Buffalo Trace. You're, oh, you're yeah. aging beer in Buffalo Trace. <laughs> you've got some Elijah Craig, yep. some Dickel from mm -hmm. Tennessee. <laughs> uh, over there, I forgot what that one was. It was, uh, oh, uh, Woodford, Woodford Reserve. Yep, Woodford Reserve. I mean, yep. you've got some really nice <laughs> oak, man. I'm yeah. telling you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me that. Sometimes you, you kind of forget about it. Um, we are very lucky in to have some great relationships with some, some people out there, uh, in particular Park Plaza in Prescott. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a, a deli and liquor, and they are, first of all, if you're going to Arizona and you want to go to the best bottle shop in the state, um, if not in the Southwest, in my opinion, they are amazing. Uh, they've got some great things. What they get to do a lot of times, they've got great relationships with these distilleries. They handpick a barrel, get uh, specialty bottles made of all, say it's a bourbon, all the bourbon from that barrel goes into, and they get to sell that, they get those bottles, and they get the barrel. And so, nice. yeah, and really nice for us, because they like us, yay. Mm -hmm. Pardon me, beer's carbonated. Um, <laughs> That's all right. And, uh, and then sometimes, most of the time, sometimes they'll give us those barrels. Uh, to work with and so that's where we get most of our, our big hitters. You don't see a lot of smaller craft breweries doing this, you yep. know, they're, they're not doing what you guys are doing. Um, how many square feet do you have here? That, that including the tap room and the, the brewing area? Yeah, an easy way to split it is it's about 2,000-2,000. Okay. So 2,000 of the other so, side including yeah, a little right. bit of storage in the bar and then right. 2,000 over okay. on this side. We've got 18 taps and one tap for coffee, for cold brew coffee, okay. from a local roaster. Mm -hmm. And so we've got the ability to pour 18, although we've pushed it by bringing kegerators in right. and doing about, I think one time we did 23 or 24. So, But usually, yeah, somewhere around 
17 to 18 uh, on tap. How many barrels are you putting out a year? Oh, that, Ballpark it. Yeah, that, that's grown ex like hugely uh, over our first three years, our first year. Uh, so right now we're on track to do about 700 barrels mm -hmm. this year. Um, which on a three-barrel system. And Ryan says 12 of them every week and a half are, are your IPA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or so wait, maybe it was six barrels, 12 kegs every yeah. week and a half yeah, on your IPA. Yeah, so we're trying to, yeah. Our, our Mountains of Mosaic IPA, we basically have a, one of those seven-barrel fermenters, which we fill six barrels worth of yeah, um, all the time. Yeah, yeah and, and we still can't keep up. Uh, there's a couple of our, a lot of breweries have flagships, we try to, but we've also got such a such a creative creative itch uh, that um, that's something our patrons have to get used to. Is sometimes they'll come in and their favorite isn't there yeah. anymore, or it might not even return. So your distribution, you, are mm -hmm. you just here right now? We're we're about ninety five percent over the bar sales, okay. right. uh, and about and every once in a while we'll distribute out. There are a couple taps in town that occasionally have our stuff. We do distribute down to the valley more than we do around town just to get our name out sure. uh, and, and get some fans down in the metropolitan, Phoenix metropolitan area. But yeah, it's, it's split about 95% here and 5% distribution, so it's almost and, exclusively here. And that's kegs? Kegs, yeah. You're not doing any canning or bottling uh, other than your crowler? So we've got crowlers which are to go and filled here, but we did a line of cans okay. um, a couple months back <clears throat> Um, and they went over really well. Everyone loves cans. And we actually just kegged a beer that we're going to put in cans again. So I'd say every once in a while we do a special release of, of canning. Um, right. We just have a, it's a single head. Right. One person, I just basically go back to, over by the bar and just fill cans for the morning. But cans, yeah, I would, we all here would love to be able to consistently have that Mountains of Mosaic or one called we call Beach Boy in people's oh, yeah. hands out on their summer adventures. But uh, yeah, we're not. <laughs> your portfolio here is what's your niche? Our, our niche is not having a niche. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we specialize in, in creativity. We specialize in trying everything. Your menu here, it, it reflects that. It yeah. absolutely does. I mean, <laughs> we'll put this up on the website, but I mean, you've got here, you've got an imperial pale that's uh, with pineapple and habanero that was absolutely <laughs> delicious. Oh, you like that one? Nice, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I love that one, But the one, one I really liked is the one you did, uh, the Collab Beer Nation, mm -hmm. with the jalapenos, oranges, and tequila-soaked, smoked chipotles. <laughs> yes. That's, that's Southwest. It, it's uh, absolutely. You've got this coffee brown ale. In my hand. Yeah, the Coffee talk? Coffee talk. Coffee talk. <laughs> Coffee talk. I tried to spell that in, in as best I could. Way, in a southwestern way. Coffee talk. Yeah, dedicated to Mike Myers yeah, Mike and Myers. his uh, yeah, yeah. Linda and Richmond. I mean, you've got a Saison. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, a, dry, a West Coast dry hopped IPA. Uh, and right now I'm drinking this Glass Joe. This is a Session Pale Ale, and it's got vanilla and uh, strawberries and cocoa nibs. This is nice. Yeah, just a little bit of each one of those, a, just to kind of. It's a nice breakfast beer. Right? <laughs> so, yes. And your Bear Jam Brown Ale, that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we definitely have it, its variety. In, in our first year, just to tell a little bit of a story um, to describe what, what our portfolio kind of is like, and thought, hey, it'd be cool if we did uh, 50 different recipes in our first year. 
And then we start, you know, brewing a little bit, and we're like, what if we did 75? And then we said, what if we do 100? That's a good round number, right? 100. Do you see the word 100 everywhere, the number 100? And so we were like, okay, let's go. Full, full steam ahead. 100 different beers in our first year. And, and we did it. We got 100 different, we actually did something somewhere around like 103 different unique recipes in our first year. And that was amazing. I'll tell you what, there's no faster way to learn all about brewing than to do 100 different recipes in a year. So. You know, you start to learn real fast what works with what else. <laughs> how many, that first year, how many failures did you have? Uh, two, I think. That's, that's incredible. We, it is. 98% success I, rate? Yeah. <laughs> we, we only had to dump two of our beers, and one of them we used beets in, and so <laughs> that one was a little bit doomed from the start, although I think we can do it again. Uh, if You're we, just going to have to a little bit different. change the formulation a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I'm very happy with that, yeah, just only dumping two beers. Uh, we did another 100 completely different recipes in our second year, so we did 200 different recipes in two years. And this year, we just did a count, and we're at like 294, I think, tomorrow. And our anniversary is on May. This year is on May 4th. So we might hit uh, 300 in three years. Different, completely different recipes. It's <laughs> just crazy. What was your worst day ever? Oh, jeez. Um, if you didn't have one, then that's great. I, you know, I... I've often thought about that, like what was the most stressful or the, or the, the hardest day? Um, and, and I can't, we, we gosh, knock on wood hugely, we haven't had a disaster story yet. It, it will happen, you know, like that, that day will happen when a valve gets like hit by a ladder and we dump, you know, a huge amount of a very special beer or something like that. What's the best day we, you've ever had here? Best day that we've ever had at Dark Sky is I'm gonna be weird and answer and say like it's still to come. I think we have been growing and, and pushing our limits and pushing things to where we keep having best days ever. Um, I'll sit back and, and look around for a split second and see all the laughing people and, and, right. and the faces and everyone's having a great time. And at the same time, we're supporting you know High Country Puppy Rescue through an event and, and just, huge smile on my face, and that'll be the best day ever. And then the next day we'll have, you know, a bunch of fans from Phoenix come up and, and be like, hey, we came here specifically for you, and that's the best day ever. So it's like a bubble is growing, and I can see that there's so much more room on the outside of our, of our growth that can just, I don't know, we can keep supporting community, creating a, a hype about Flagstaff, and, and continue to have best days ever all the time. Yeah. Are you ready for the lightning round? Five I, questions. I am absolutely, I was born the ready. The topic is this. astronomy. Oh, crud. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's, it's Sweet. Orion or Sagittarius? Um, I, Orion. Yes, I of course. <laughs> Venus or Mars? Oh, these are easy. Um, uh, Venus, because we don't know much about it, I guess. Yeah. Big Dipper or Ursa Major? Uh, <laughs> They're the same thing, aren't they? They are! It's that. <laughs> ding, 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 ding! Yes! Black holes or Uranus? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Black holes. North. No one likes Uranus. No, nobody, like, no, nobody likes Uranus. <laughs> North star or falling stars? 
Oh, falling star. Oh, five for five. Congratulations, hey, Nick. Hey, that, yes. All oh, right. I was so yeah. worried. So, Nick, thanks so much for <laughs> taking time out of your day and uh, letting us come and uh, have a visit here oh, at thank Dark you Sky for Brewing. And um, uh, next time, I hope to we can have a trip coming through sometime next year. We'll stop by and see how you guys are doing. Absolutely. Slancha. Cheers. Salud. Hey, Cody. Oh, my God. Oh, perfect timing. <laughs> Hi, bud. All right. Oh. See you guys. Thank you. All right. That was fun. Thanks again to Nick and Ryan and Laramie and all of the staff at Dark Sky Brewing. I tell you what, I had a great, that was a great conversation with Nick. I had to cut a lot of it. Um, it was just, it was so much fun talking to him because he's so excited. He's so passionate about the brewing. And Ryan, you know, was he was working diligently, getting the beer together. I want to thank him for taking time to just talk to us a little bit, talk to me a little bit. And I want to thank Nick for a great interview. Uh, I hope to go out and see them again soon. They, the, uh, they, uh, they really are kind of a unique presence there in Flagstaff and really excited about what they've got going on. Dark Sky Brewing is located at 117 North Beaver Street in the heart of historic downtown Flagstaff. Their tap room is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., and their selection of brews is always changing. But uh, I am certain you will find something that you like when you go there. We're definitely stopping back in to see them very, very soon. Again, thanks to Nick, Ryan, Laramie, and the whole gang. Uh, if you would like to know more about Dark Sky Brewing, check out their website, darkskybrewing.com. Hey, ha, da, 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 yeah. ha, hey, Cardi on scale buckle. What's the rumpus? Now it's time for What's the Rumpus with Tony. What's going on in the world of craft brewing? Hey. Hey, Tony. How are you, man? Good. How are you? Okay. Tom's here. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tom. How you doing, bud? Doing all right, man. I owe you a blast. I still have not made it to forehand to pick up the <laughs> That's all right. It's, That's all right. It's been an insane couple weeks. That was my mistake. That wasn't yours. Yeah. Where are you? Tony, where are you? Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm in St. Peter's. I just got home from Columbia about like 3 or 3 o'clock or so. Oh, no kidding. You and Aaron are back home from Jekyll Island? Yeah, we came back. Uh, we came back Thursday afternoon. It was kind of a, a whirlwind three-day trip. I, I, I basically had to work. Uh, I was out there for some stories, so uh, we had yeah. to come back pretty quick. Okay. Well, Tom and I are slightly drunk. Nice. Huh. All right. We've Alan's been... slightly drunk. We've been... I am all the way. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> we were at, we were at Bent Paddle Brewing all afternoon. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. And uh, we're, that's that's another story for another time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're in Duluth, and it's colder than a well digger. Ankles, really? Oh my! It's, it's like fifty five degrees. Yeah, here. it's forty five degrees. Oh my God. The wind's coming off of Lake Superior, which is just still hasn't warmed up since December. Yeah. Are you guys going? Are you guys going out? Like out? Like you said, you're gonna do some fishing. Uh, day after tomorrow, but we're going inland in quite a way. So. It'll be, uh, a, it should be a bit warmer, knock on wood. What do you got for us this week, buddy? 
Well, uh, I mentioned in a, in a previous cast uh, that we were talking a little bit about, I've, I've been thinking about uh, where weed meets beer. Um, I just came back from Colorado a couple weeks ago, and so I, I saw a story that was kind of all over the web about uh, the use of cannabis in making beer. Yeah. And essentially, like, the, the, the top of the thing is that federal law prohibits using cannabis in the making of beer. And uh, while you'll see, sometimes you'll see some, uh, some weed beers on the market, um, they're basically beers that are infused with hemp to try to make the beer taste like weed, but they have no THC, that, that psychoactive compound that, that, makes, that gives marijuana its kick. Um, so they're, they're essentially kind of publicity stunts, just trying to get you to buy the, the thing on the label. But uh, Keith Villa, the creator of Blue Moon, and a longtime Miller Coors brewer yep. has found a way around that. And uh, the story was from USA Today, but like I said, it, it, it was all over the web. He's releasing three marijuana-infused drinks this fall in Colorado, where, of course, uh, recreational weed has, has been legal for a, a bit. Um, but none of them will actually contain alcohol. That's how he gets around the, the federal law. Okay, so he's brewing beer with THC, but it has no alcohol in it. Right, and I'll get to how that works. Um <laughs> Right, yeah, but oh. instead, instead, instead of the alcohol, his drinks will be infused with marijuana formulas that will, in effect, mimic booze, which means, like, the buzz will come at the same pace as drinking a beer. Um, if, if you ever tried edibles, uh, you know... It, it, oh, it no, I've never, I'm, I've, never, I've never ever tried an edible. I don't know how that <laughs> I works. Would never, I would never presume as much. <laughs> but if, if, if you had, you would know, as you, as you, as you possibly may know. Like, it takes longer. Like, you eat something, it's going to take an hour to, to hit you. And that, that, oh, the, for the first-timers who are used to, like, smoking marijuana, that's what always gets you. You're like, I don't feel anything. So you, you have another brownie or another cookie. Right. And then... And then, and then Football! Um... But the, uh, the cool thing about that... Hang is on, that Tony. Is, Hang on, Tony. Yeah. Cody needs more water. Seriously? <laughs> He's thirsty. Yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting uh, recording and broadcast from the RV. For sure. Yeah. From Winter Circle here. Yeah. I'm kind of reminded of that old Al Franken SNL skit where it's just the the, the single yeah, he's got the, got, the, got the satellite dish on his head. <laughs> oh, you know, I might not edit a lot of this because I'm kind of there's not a lot. Oh, I know I'll edit this part. Oh, the monkeys have no tails in Zambawingo. The monkeys have no tails in Zambawingo. The monkeys have no tails. They were bitten off by whales. The monkeys have no tail in Zambawingo. All right, where were we? Oh, we were talking about how uh, this this new beer uh, put out by Keith Villa, the marijuana beer, and beer in quotes, because it, it actually contains no alcohol, will hit you kind of like an edible does. Like it'll, it'll basically the same pace as beer does. Like you you kind of gauge your your buzz, just like you would like drinking a beer. But the cool thing about it is is that by using these weed compounds, uh, Villa says that he he and his partners can modify those compounds to produce specific feelings. Uh, like relaxation or euphoria. I mean, this, this is some stuff straight out of like the Twilight Zone uh, of the future, you know, where you can just pick up a, a patch that says happiness and put it on your neck. Apparently, apparently, like, they can modify these compounds to give you a specific feeling. And so, like, the, the drinks that he's going to be releasing in the fall, there'll be a light beer, a wheat, and then something akin to, like, an imperial stout or a barrel-aged stout. Um, and, and basically how he's going to do it is he's going to make the beer, just like you would, um, then remove the alcohol and infuse the cannabis. So that's that's the brewing process. Oh, so that's, why, that's why you call it beer. How and is he going to cannabis. remove the alcohol? Or have they <laughs> have they said have they said how they're going to remove the alcohol? 
I, I haven't read anything uh, to, the, to the effect that, that explains exactly how. But it may well, if you of, haven't read anything, probably nobody has read anything. So it's possible. So anyway, yeah. So that's how he's going to make his beer. And it should, like I said, it should be available in the fall in Colorado. So what are and they so, going to call? Uh, what are they going to call it? Can of beer? <laughs> no, no uh, I, I don't. I don't know that they have the specific names for it. So basically, uh, you know that th- those beers should be due out in the fall. Um, but uh, so what about the rest of what about the other 41 states where recreational weed is still illegal and we're still, you know, we're still suffering out here. Um, the, the, my friends at Pace Magazine in Atlanta put together a package uh, of beers that they call dank beers. Um, basically, you can make weed beer without actually making weed beer. Uh, hops and marijuana are actually in the same taxonomic family, Cannabisia. So, you know, if you treat the hops just right, you can theoretically make a pretty stinky beer. And several brewers in these non-weed states do this. Um, most are IPAs, of course, which makes sense because you're going to use a lot of hops. Uh, Sweetwater in Atlanta makes a hop hash imperial IPA. Uh, up where you guys are up in Minnesota, there's Fitgers and Duluth and uh, Dangerous Man in Minneapolis both make a weed beer. And then uh, some, some bigger companies that you know uh, from Colorado, uh, Oscar Blues and Lagunitas, both make uh, kind of weed beer. Um, so if you if you like the taste, but it's basically like non-alcoholic beer. If you really like the taste but don't want the impact, you can get those beers. But why would you why would you do that? Like, I, why don't I, you just? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, because the worst thing about pot is the monkey loving football. Right, right. <clears throat> as some as some people would say about some of those beers, if they get those non-alcoholic beers, of course. Right. Then they they should just be drinking hard liquor. <laughs> right, right. So they so apparently. They must believe that there is a market for this. Absolutely. Well, and the, the, I got to a little bit of that in the beginning, kind of touched on that, where I think people, you know, people want to try new things, and weed is kind of the hot thing on the on the on the block. And we talked in a previous pod about how millennials and younger generation are kind of gravitating that way. About uh, so anything you know you can do to kind of cross pollinate, anything you can do to kind of get attention to it, like hey, you know, and it's just like a lot of these bizarre, you know, like I was talking about the bizarre uh, beers before. Uh, you know, a donut beer. That's interesting. I'll try that. You know, just just kind of like the Jelly Belly uh, approach to beers. Like, let's make something that's total whacked out, and people will buy it just for the novelty effect. But uh, this guy, this Villa guy, seems to think he's got the chemistry down to where he can give you the impact uh, and give you specific impact. I mean, think about it. If, if you can pick up a beer and, you know, I myself am, am kind of a downer drunk or I'm an excited drunk, um, but if you could pick the kind of drunk you're going to be, I mean – that would be ideal, right? Well, I suppose. <laughs> Is there any indication whether, like, any of the major, like, breweries are... The big boys. The big boys are doing this, but they're maybe keeping it under wraps until it becomes legal? That's a good question. Nothing I found out. And then the big boys would never do anything like that. They would never, you know, make, oh, make sure. cookies. Right. And no, make cookies they'd never do that. they never... And say, They'd never yeah. do research on something that might be in the future to make money. No, they'd never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, they didn't survive prohibition by doing anything like that. Um, and I'm sure they're watching this pretty closely because, like I said, Villa was, was for 32 years worked for Miller Coors. So, I mean, right. he's, not, uh, he's not nobody. So, I'm sure he's got friends that if, if, you, you know, if you saw fit to share or to you know, pool resources with, he knows, he knows people. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's actually kind of fascinating. I never thought uh, I would ever see this happen, but it's happening. Yep. It's kind of weird when you sit there and you think about weed beer. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, 
Weed beer is, um, <laughs> it's kind of the antithesis of weed, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's beer. <laughs> it's, it's, right. well, my, my thing is, my thing is, is that whenever back in the day when I used to toke a little bit, and I'm going to say right now, that was a long, long time ago. But whenever that happened, if I drank beer and I toked at the same time, I usually threw up. It was never good. Yeah. No, it was. It See, was. It was never. It was. It was never an, a good ending to that story. No, no, my. See, I was the exact opposite. To me, to me, it, it took it alleviated the hangover. If I, really? if I did something like that, but, but yeah, but my friend uh, Loney uh, Trehagen did it, and and he had. When he did it, he would he, he swore he had no hangover the next morning. Loney, huh. Loney, Loney Trey Hagen. Huh. That's like yeah, the new... yeah, your buddy, Loney Trey yeah, Hagen. My buddy, my buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that might be like my, like my friend Talon Matman. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that might be a yeah. new term. Is the Loney Trey Hagen that um, I'm gonna Loney Trey Hagen this beer so I don't have a buzz in the morning, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, if you go into these dispensaries in these in these weed uh, these weed states. They have basically when, once they go through the spiel with you, they'll tell you all this stuff. But then they'll be like, you know what? If you're especially if you're looking for edibles, they have little packets that are just basically like the THC, where you can sprinkle it on anything. Like they can say that the world is your edible. You can put it on pizza, theoretically. And they, they oh, I don't think they're man. legally allowed I, to even yeah. mention this can happen. But they, you, you, I mean, why couldn't you put it in beer? So you could experiment with that. Yeah, I've been to those dispensaries. <laughs> yeah. I, when I really need to sleep, I have a magic pill. There you go. There you go. That might be what we need for Cody. Right. Might be. Might need for Cody. <laughs> Cody. Cody's been a little nervous on the trip. Anyway, Tony Rehagen, <laughs> weed beer. Uh, where? What's this world? I don't want to sound like my father, but from 20 years ago. But what's this world coming to? Anyway. <laughs> thanks, Tony. Hey. Not we'll, a problem. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Sounds good. Safe All right. Travels, All right. See you now. Bye bye. You've been listening to The Brews Traveler. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or check out our blog on website, thebrewstraveler.com. Cheers. And cheers to you, Jessica, and cheers to all of you out there for listening. Uh, that interview, got to explain a little something. Cody, my uh, rough-coated Labradoodle, was drinking water through most of it. Other than that, there was not a thing wrong with it. I, I don't think. I don't think we missed a note. Did we, Tom? No, nope. nope, we didn't miss a note. Hey, that's it, guys. Thanks a lot for listening to us. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Bruce Traveler Podcast and on Twitter at the Bruce Trav LR. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, please go over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Show us some love with a five-star hug and a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Please tell your friends and share the podcast with them and help us get the word out about the Bruce Traveler. The official music for the Bruce Travelers from our friends at Gaelic Storm. Thanks, guys, for supporting the podcast. You can purchase their new album, Go Climb a Tree, at GaelicStorm.com. You can also find their music on iTunes and probably anywhere else you get your music. And so, so long from Grand Marais, Minnesota. Uh, we're going to be back home next week. I'll be in Jefferson City, and I'll be coming to you from the confines of a studio at the home office. So until next time, remember, drink locally, think globally, take care of each other, and take care of the earth. It's everything that we've got. 
And I'm on down the road, and so's Tom, and so's Cody. And if we don't run into you at your favorite tap room or pub, we'll see you right here on the podcast. And merrily, as always, honey, you are the measure of my dreams. So long for a while. In South Australia, I was born. Keep away, all away. In South Australia, rock hard. Bounce South Australia. <laughs> all the way, you rolling game. Keep away, all away, all away. One morning fair Keep away, all away Was there we met Miss Nancy Blair Bounce of Australia All the way you rolling thing Keep away, all away All the way you'll hear me sing When Bounce of Australia I shook her up and I shook her down Keep away, all away I shook her up and down the town Bounce of Australia Points in the sky or a blow on the head will equally cause one to see stars. Percival Lowell, born March 13, 1855, Boston, Massachusetts, died November 12, 1916, Flagstaff, Arizona.